Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. And on this Monday program, I'm joined by both Father Jeff Lewis, the pastor of St. Mary's in Spokane Valley, and Father Kurt Nagel, the pastor of St. Monica's in Mercer Island. Good and morning, Sacred Fathers. Heart. And Sacred Heart <laughs> Bellevue. Excuse me. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I don't want to leave Man, my I, other parish out. Uh, they, they, I've been getting emails. Like, hey, yeah, exactly. I don't want to get any of those Sacred Heart. Emails. Like, <laughs> like, let's go. What are you doing? Um, so, yes, sorry. So, I apologize, fathers. So, see, this is my relationship with, the, with these good priests. Their first words to me are words of correction. This is good. <laughs> Fraternal <laughs> correction. Fraternal. Fraternal and correction. <laughs> nice. You could have said something like filial correction, right? <laughs> Father, son. Yeah. All right, we're going to stop right there. We'll take a break, and we got to pray. we got to pray and get some scripture going today on the program. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran again. We're going to begin with a scripture reading and a prayer. Father Nagel. I've chosen to uh, begin with Revelations chapter 11, 19 through chapter 12, 1. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a violent hailstorm. A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. Gracious God, I ask you through the intercession of Mary, Queen of Heaven, that we might, again, be true disciples as she was, that we might grow in our discipleship, and you might fill us with grace, especially uh, helped by the, um, the words and the wisdom of this next hour's show, just bless all of us and our listeners, we ask through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Nagel, pastor of Sacred Heart in Bellevue and St. Monica's <laughs> in Mercer Island. Here we go. Uh, actually, this is interesting. St. Thomas Aquinas, when he talked about um, prayer and prayer being um, uh, receiving God's grace, he identified um, three elements associated with the, uh, the idea of praying in a way that your prayer would be heard. And um, uh, the um, two of the elements that um, would make prayer meritorious were that it was humble and that it was persevering. Mm. And the, the, the middle one is confidence, right? You pray because you have confidence. That's hope, right? Confidence mm. that the Lord is going to fulfill his promise and he's going to answer my prayer. But he's saying you have to put like on the right and left-hand side, right? The right and left-hand side, you have to have two virtues accompanying you, humility and, uh, humility and uh, perseverance. So fathers, as we get launched in here, as you just prayed, you can each pick a virtue and talk about why that's important in praying with confidence, that a confident prayer, if it's going to be answered, has to be both humble and persevering. And since you picked on me, Father Nagel, Father <laughs> Lewis gets to pick oh. the virtue first. Wow. 
Well, I'd pick uh, confidence, and probably because um, confidence. As now, hold a, on, confidence is is the is, is the, the nature one. of prayer. So I I'm looking well, for humility or perseverance. Well, so. I can't I can't be bothered with humility. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So therefore, I'll choose humility. Is clearly I need to work on that. Nice. But, uh, well, see, you know, okay. So confidence, but the humility. Um, you know, our bishop here in Spokane, Bishop Daly, he uh, he has said several occasions something that has stuck out to me quite greatly. He said, uh, "A humble heart, uh, a grateful heart is a humble heart, and a humble heart is a joyful heart." And there is a like a logical sequence there. And so humility is you know is the uh, in the heart of that because. Um, if if we are grateful to God for gifts received, then um, then we're we're just more humble and we're and we're more disposed, like soil well toiled, a uh, well uh, soil well um, tilled, to receive further graces. And but, then, but we, Father, what is humility? I don't know what humility is. You yeah. gotta help me out here. Humility is uh, letting yourself be treated like a doormat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not that Can at we all. Quote you on that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's letting your pastor treat Bishop you as a doormat. Daly right yeah. now. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that humility is letting yourself be treated like doormat, but I think humility uh, simply defined as know thyself. If we just know ourselves in our, you know, as we truly are, uh, particularly in relation to God and others. So we're not the, the, the bee's knees, we're not the high and mighty, and we're not the end-all be-all. Um, so we can recognize the gifts and talents that we have received and, and thank God for those and use those and acknowledge those. And that's not bragging, that's simple acknowledgement. And then recognize our weaknesses. And that's not beating ourselves up, it's simply knowing thyself. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, have you explain Thomas Aquinas. One of his, he has many definitions for humility. One of them is praiseworthy self-abasement. Ah, Isn't yeah. that a great phrase? Yeah. <laughs> praiseworthy self-abasement. Mm -hmm. Build off of that. Praiseworthy self-abasement, Wow. So well, as compared to yeah. self-abasement, that's not praiseworthy, right? That's right. the doormat that's thing. That's the doormat right? thing. So praiseworthy self-abasement. It might be just to recognize, you know, without God's grace, I'm, I am as nothing. If God were not to sustain me in creation, you know, there's nothing in, that I can do about it. I have no power to uh, to persevere than to and to persist in existence or in goodness or in anything. And uh, that sounds like we're just degrading ourselves, but you know, in comparison to God, the infinite, we are just finite and. Uh, and so praiseworthy abasement, I, I suppose what makes it praiseworthy is that it is, again, in relationship with God. We are actually, through our self-abasement, giving praise to all the Almighty. Yeah, I love that. Like the, the word basement. Mm -hmm. When you think of basement, what do you think? A nice, mm -hmm. cool place to sleep on hot summer's day. <laughs> of course, Father Nagel is thinking exactly the same thing. Father Nagel, build off of what Father well, Lewis is Well, you know, I, I have an image. I, I think I'm going to preach on this. This coming weekend is, you're, you're talking about um, humility at some level. Uh, take the lower place and let you be called up. I, I think of the image of the donkey in Luke 19. It's, you know, others have said this too, but um, the idea of the donkey that's going into Jerusalem with, uh, on Palm Sunday and the idea, all the clapping and the cheering is for Jesus, but Jesus is, is riding on you. And, and so you're a team. And if you think that if you think the clapping's for you and all the all the palms being put down, then it's not going to work. But if you recognize, hey, I am carrying Jesus in, and people they are praising me, and it's it's worthy because I'm carrying Jesus. But it's not me; it's Jesus, and so it's praiseworthy. But it's also I am the I'm the animal. I I'm the the one that's serving serving Jesus. But we're together, and so um, I can feel good about that. I've always thought of that as kind of a Kind of a little scripture picture of um, how humility works. 
I, that's awesome. Yeah. Did, did St. Francis rely on that? Because didn't he refer to himself as a, as a donkey? Yeah, he, Not using that word, using the other word? Yeah. <laughs> Refers well, to him as brother donkey, Yeah, right? Particularly his body. Yeah, his body was. Yeah. And, and that idea of, uh, I love that, to say that your life can generate praise and glory to the Lord. The, your, your life, the way you walk your life out, right, could generate a sense of God being glorified, Christ being lifted mm -hmm. up, but it's not about you. Right. It's never been about you, but that's, like, there's a great dignity and a great, well, what a great glory to think, oh, I can spend my life on something. Let me spend it on walking a journey that gives praise to God. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. I just love that idea of abasement of going down lower. You can lower yourself in a way that is praiseworthy because what, you know, what does the Lord do to those who lower themselves in a praiseworthy way? He lifts them up. up. He lifts them up. Instead of those who lift themselves up, they get knocked down. down. Last Sunday's gospel. So, mm -hmm. um, so we think about this. and um, So that's humility. Uh, anything else you want to say about humility, Father Lewis? Are you humbly done? I'm humbly done. You're humbly done. Okay. <laughs> All right, Father Nagel, we're on your side now. We're on the other side of accompanying a confident person who prays. They need not only humility. What else do they need? Persistence, perseverance. Perseverance. Let's talk about that in relationship to prayer. Uh, this is, I think, it, honestly, there are, everything you've said is important, but I, I do think that if I could grant my my parishioners one quality when I talk about and teach prayer to them, I think it would be perseverance. I think that, um, that it's so easy to give up, um, especially as you begin prayer. And so this idea of just continue on, and I, and I do think of it, as, as I think it ultimately, as I recall, comes from fortitude, uh, patience, it, at least in some way it's kind of related to that, uh, a suffering. Um, again, I think Quinas says there's the active uh, suffering, but though sometimes there's that passive, just having to put up with a situation. It does, it's the courage is not that you're going to go fall, you know, charge the enemy. It's just that there's nothing you can do about it, and you just have to keep going. You have to, you have to be patient in, in terms of whatever you're going through. And I think that's so important in terms of your prayer. When it's dry or when it's difficult or when it's uh, really inconvenient, if I could just get myself and my people to just say, well, yeah, you know what, but I'm still going to do it. Or I'm still going to do it tomorrow too. And so to I think... Undergo, right? I, yeah. I think that's a cool uh, word right there, to undergo yeah. suffering, uh, to undergo the trial. Undergo the trial. So th that's... I, I do think that... That's one of the biggest problems is people, we quit too soon or we give up. And because it doesn't seem anything's happening or they're not the right things happening or, you know, that's where the, con you know, I don't have confidence anymore because nothing's happening or I don't have, uh, all of those important, but I just think, just, but just keep doing it. So, well, Father, I, uh, I, I threw some Aquinas at Father Lewis, so I'm going to throw some Augustine at you. Okay. okay? Uh -oh. About perseverance. <laughs> he says... So, and you're familiar with this this uh, insight that Augustine has, which is about perseverance in prayer. It's not that the Lord's not listening. It's not that the Lord is somehow, you know, not paying attention. It's that what we've asked for is so big, it's so um, wondrous that through perseverance itself, we are being stretched. Right. There's a stretching that happens, stretching our hearts, or stretching the situation in such a way that it'll have the capacity to receive what the Lord is waiting to give. So in some senses, perseverance is corresponding 
to the Lord's desire to give. And I think, as I recall, he uses this image of the leather bag that the treasure wants to be poured into. The stretching is, you know, to increase one's capacity uh, for the grace he wants to show us. And it's just as if, if you wanted to receive, if, you, if God had said, I'm going to just pour gold pieces into this bag for you, uh, you know, as many as it can hold, I, that's what you get. And you would just sort of say, let me stretch this thing so I could get more. Um, and so I, I do think that that's, that's a, a wonderful way to think of it because I do think sometimes people think if it's dry or it's, uh, if it doesn't seem to be working, then my prayer's bad or I'm doing something wrong, as opposed to simply saying, this might be part of the way the prayer is answered and the prayer is developing, is it's changing you in the sense of, the, again, the confidence and humility. Uh, perseverance, again, that, it might increase the, both of those. Um, so anyway, I, I do think that there's that sense of this isn't wasted and it's not unproductive. Um, it's, it's changing me. It's, make, it's detaching me from my own desires and my own will. And so that actually allows me a greater capacity to receive God's will. So I um, so I love that. Now let's um, let's talk about that in uh, in relationship to God actually answering the prayer. So when I think about this, I say um, uh, we oftentimes will think that our prayer is answered because of the merit, the the, the fact that we have grown in grace and we have favor before the Lord. Or is it that God answers our prayers because of mercy, which is unmerited favor, or favor shown to someone who deserves the opposite? So, back to you, Father Lewis. Mm -hmm. Does St. Thomas say that prayer is answered because of mercy or because of merit? When I give you an eye of the or, Father, you yes, know what the answer is. Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. It's, it's both. It's both. So, pick one. Give me one. Why would prayer be answered because of mercy, give me examples. And why would prayer be answered because of merit? Um, prayer is answered because of, of mercy. Um, I'm going to go, I think it was St. Augustine, I'll go back to him for a second. He, he says uh, in a couple different ways that prayer is not us trying to change God's mind. Prayer is, changes us. We're the ones who are changed in prayer. And so when we are... Um, when we are humbled before God, there's humility again, and we are more disposed to receive, maybe in a particular way, the mercy for sins committed or, or sins of omission. Um, so we receive God's mercy, and maybe, maybe God answering prayer in those humble times are, are times when we recognize that we have, uh, that God has been merciful to us, and so maybe the answer to that prayer is an acknowledgement of, of, um, of our acknowledgement. It's like confirming that, yes, you have seen rightly, and so as a sign of of my mercy for you, here's prayers answered. I don't know if that's what St. Thomas Aquinas would say, but that is what uh, Father Jeff Lewis says. <laughs> <laughs> just to say, as accord with Aquinas, uh, uh -huh. <laughs> but I think about it, you, you just say, like, how could you get anywhere in the spiritual life right. without God's mercy? Right. I mean, really. Mm -hmm. God, Father Nagel, you're ready to jump in here. Well, uh, so in terms of the merit, uh, why would... Oh, no, no, let's stay on mercy. Okay. I, got, I, mean, I think there's a lot more to mine here around yeah. mercy. Like, what about poor sinners who are cut off from God? How in the world do they get back to God? Right, there's no, there's no, they can't earn it, can't change it. It, it. I think, as you said, no matter what, God's mercy is involved. Um, and, and just in terms of, um, again, that's that whole idea of ultimately, and in, in, in if, you, if, you, if we're looking at it in terms of exactly, um, 
that it's all the God's mercy. Um, and so I do think there's that well, idea. And think of this, Father. Uh, I want you to hear it this way. There are a lot of folks, you've, you've mentioned your parishioners quite a bit. Like you want your parishioners to know this and know that. How many, how many of your parishioners would benefit from hearing that God answers their prayers because he's merciful, not because they're meritorious? I think all of them would. Seriously. And, and why is that? Because I, I think that the idea of, I think the idea of meritorious, um, first of all, I think it's true we can get that in a bit, but I do think the idea of, um, the idea of the merciful God is the one who's reacting to our prayers is attractive as saying, now there might be, some of them may not realize that, oh yeah, I need the mercy of God, but in terms of you asked how many of them need it uh, or would, would again, profit by it, I think all of us need mercy, and so that I would want all of them to, uh, to recognize that um, no matter what you have done, or, or God is relating to you as someone who wants to help you reach down. And um, when you say answer your prayers, I think that gets complicated too, and exactly what this this is. But I do think there's this idea that if you're talking about unconditional love, that you're dealing with that mercy, that there, there is going to be, there's not something, there's no state you can be in where God's not going to listen and answer your prayers. Um, nice. And... Father Lewis, you want to build off of that? Father Lewis is ready. He's okay. ready to jump in and tag team with you. Yeah. You just I, tagged him, Father. <laughs> Father Lewis is now in. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, why would, why are answered prayers an aspect of God's mercy? We were just talking earlier that in our humility and basement, we bring ourselves low in, in relation with God. And that's where God raises us up. He says, the lowly shall be exalted. And who knows, but that encounter that we experience of answered prayer, that's, that's one of those many ways of God's love booing us up to where he wants us to be. And um, you know, I know that, at least in my, in my personal prayer life, when I know that, I have, uh, that a prayer has been answered, a very concrete prayer has been answered, a very concrete way, now I'm feeling a, a new closeness to God because... Look at that. After all, God does love me and cares enough to answer this prayer. And I feel lifted up spiritually, even like emotionally, and feel closer to God. And in, in, it was God's mercy that, that, was, that perpetuated, that, that, uh, that uh, initiated that encounter. Yeah, amen. I'm talking today with Father Jeff Lewis and Father Kurt Nagel. Uh, we're up against our break. When we come back, I'm going to um, continue this conversation today. We're, we're starting in on prayer. We're going to get to the rosary in a little bit. Back in a minute with Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I'm with Father Jeff Lewis, Father Kurt Nagel. So, Fathers, uh, talking about God's mercy and, and human merit as both somehow sources of God answering prayer, according to St. Thomas Aquinas. Seems paradoxical. It's kind of hard to hold up both of those, but he does. And that's one of the great uh, as one of the great richnesses of our uh, Catholic faith. 
One last part about mercy that I think, and that is this, is that um, we tend to think of mercy as God answering prayer. But what about the idea that it's not just that God is in his mercy graciously answering the prayers of sinners, but how about that God is graciously stirring within them the very gift to pray itself? Let's talk about that aspect of mercy. And maybe an aspect of that is, you know, God in his mercy gives us uh, audience in the first place, you know, just to present ourselves before him to make our humble petition. And that itself is a grace because fundamentally what we're after here is not, not these prayers being answered, but, but each of us want, want and should seek um, closeness with God, that oneness with God. And you know, I think you know that's I think that's an aspect why Jesus said, you know prays in the garden. He wants something, but then he says, "But not my will, but yours be done." He's 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 happy just to be in the presence of his Father and teaching us through that to to do likewise. So that's a mercy in itself. Is that God in the first place is a God of is a personal God, a God who personally loves us and not some vengeful deity out there that that uh, only only on a special occasions or with with particular sacrifices, you know. Whatever that uh, that then he will graciously, you know, deign to give us audience. But but that itself is a grace that we even have this God in the first place. Yeah. I, I was thinking in terms of people in my communities or just in my experience who revert to the faith, for instance, um, and they have been living for maybe years, decades, uh, without any thought of God at all. And then something happens, and they and they remember, or they're brought back to prayer. Simply, sometimes out of desperation, etc. And and the idea of that being a merciful act on God's part to to bring them to remember Him and to turn to Him, even if it's in some sort of, you know, maybe not spiritually sophisticated or mature way or whatever, but just in desperation and need to uh, to remember. So again, I guess the mercy is rem- you're remembering God. Um, in the midst of a life that has forgotten or ignored uh, for so long, so that can that can spark something, the journey back and in, in confirm, confirmation of of God's grace and God's God's place in this person's life. So I, I have seen, you know I can see that as just mercifully allowing this person um, to remember who I am and to reintroduce myself to him, and it turns into prayer. Um, but again, even the thought of that would was merciful. Yeah, I love that. I mean, God's always ahead of us, right? Mm-hmm. God is always so far ahead of us in taking initiative and stirring and prompting things. But I hope that folks, as you're listening to these good fathers share insights into the life of prayer in accord with our tradition, drawing it in particular right now on St. Thomas Aquinas, but not only him, uh, that you would feel comforted and you'd feel confident to be able to say, I, I, I want to step forward and pray. Um, and I'll pray because God so mercifully welcomes me no matter what I've done, how I feel about myself, or um, how I just ex- experience a sense of not deserving any type of audience with the Lord. Now, he loves you so much. Let's talk about the other aspect, though. Father Nagel, you're up to bat now. And now we're talking about not just mercy, but merit. Merit. What is merit, first of all? And how is that connected to the idea of God answering prayer? Well, I, I was thinking just in terms, in terms of merit, um, the, the idea of one, um, 
by one's actions and, and what you know, words, thoughts, and actions. Um, again, the, the whole idea of there's different words to what kind of merit and these sorts of things, but that one is, is granted by God because because of obedience at some level uh, to His will, that His grace flows in an answer to your to your prayers. And I'm thinking in terms of, and I, I, it's a Carmelite saint. I, I can't remember if it's, uh, Teresa of Avila. I think it is, and probably many other saints, because I think this is just the way uh, merit works in the sense that he said Jesus says to her, you know, if you if you become, full, you know, if if your will gets so con- conformed to mine, um, if you always do whatever I ask, and if you know my, what my will is, and your will is always able to come to my will, and so that we're like one, then my will will always be in accord with your will. And as you are my servant, I then will become your servant. Um, and and your, your will be done. It's this, this connection of the wills that I think is at the heart of it, it seems to me. I'm not... Again, I may not be theologically um, exact about that, but I think that's what the ultimate—the whole idea of merit—ultimately comes down to. That is that um, there's this great paradox: is that the more, again, it comes to the humility piece. Even even here, it comes in as well. If if I can lower myself and and, and be humble enough to that my will is in a complete and perfect accord with God's, then the flip is also true: that his that his will is completely in accord with mine. And then I again I. Be, he, he even says this in some of these mystical experiences that, that I become your servant. Um, so that, that's what I see in this is just the, the, the idea of um, bringing my will into, into the Lord's is going to, um, again, it's, it's my, my prayers will be answered because uh, of, of this close connection of the will, that what I will is, is God's and it, it happens. So I, um, I'm thinking of there's a quote that um, St. John of the Cross says about that um, when he is saying those, here, here it is, it's from the spiritual canticle. He said, let, then, let those then who are singularly active, who think they can win the world with their preaching and exterior works, observe here that they would profit the church and please God much more, not to mention the good example they would give, were they to spend at least half of this time with prayer. They would certainly then accomplish more and with less labor by one work than they otherwise would by a thousand. For through their prayer, they would merit this result and themselves be spiritually strengthened. Without prayer, they would do a great deal of hammering, but accomplish little, and sometimes nothing, and even at times cause harm. I, I have seen that so often in spiritual life and in pastoral uh, situations of parishes, and also just among priests and religious and lay people that I've known, that it, and it's it's just true about God's grace and His power that um, one one saint does so much more, one holy person does so much more than all of the actions and activities that just kind of are their busy work and in their good work, but there's not God's grace and His will. Of Called upon and implemented and 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 arrived in in whatever the the, the pastoral spiritual uh, endeavor or initiative is, that you know, again, one plus God is everything, and you can do as much as you want to without God, and nothing really changes at all. I see that in evangelization programs, activities, and initiatives all the time. Yeah, 
Father, Father Lewis. You know, St. John of the Cross said this, and then I was thinking St. Teresa of Calcutta, you know, live this. You know, if you spent at least half of that time in prayer, how much more you would actually be able to accomplish. And, you know, she had famously added to their rule of life a second holy hour each day, despite their full schedules. And lo and behold, they were able to accomplish more. The vocations were just exploding after that and all this. And this was uh, early on after the formation of the missionaries, I think. And, and, um, and so, I mean, there's one, there's an example of one saint who has, who has, who has done that, and, and we see the fruits of, of that, um, of that uh, endeavor of added prayer and, uh, and how much it fuels uh, the work that's done. And I would go back, too, to, you know, Jesus, again, in his holy example in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. If we surrender ourselves, I think that, in many ways, that might be the highest and most meritorious uh, action that we can do is, is the act of the will to surrender to, to the will of God. And God is not going to force us to do that. We have to make that surrender. So it is an act of ourselves, but God gives us the grace to be able to do that in the first place. So grace building on nature. But then we got to use that grace and that nature and, and activate it to surrender to God's will. And then, um, and then you know, it's, it's, it's um, you know, that we, we suddenly find, we, we might experience it from our perspective subjectively, like, look at this, you know, by that merit, prayers are being answered. But but really it was just that closer conformity to God and to God's will, and, and then we're just given the eyes to see that, that prayers are being answered because of that. So, so uh, as a result of merit. Yeah, it's, uh, it, this is Aquinas. You're just quoting Aquinas. He took a little longer than Aquinas said it. He said, <laughs> God does not deny grace to those who do what's in their power. Isn't that mm. a great sentence? Yeah. God does not deny grace to those who do what's in their power. It's still a gift. Yeah. But he doesn't deny it to those who are doing what's in their power. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even after you said all of that, Father, it's like, yeah, I get it. But then why do I get up in the morning? And okay, there's my liturgy of the hours I'm going to pray. And oh, wait a minute. I got to answer that email. Oh, wait a minute. Does somebody get this one other thing done? And then oh. what happens? Yeah, right? don't pray. You lose that prayer time. We talked about that yeah. right last week. And so it is so quick and easy for us to say, we know it. We've heard it. We examples, saints. Mother Teresa and all this, and we still don't live it. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's another aspect of our need, therefore, to persevere. You know, we think, well, I tried once, it didn't work, or I'm not experiencing the fruits, and so I didn't persevere, and, and, uh, and so we just don't do it. You, sh- you should have said we humbly acknowledge <laughs> that we need to persevere. Then you could have really, and that'll increase our confidence. To yeah, we to go. Pray. <laughs> and then we'll experience God's mercy, and then we'll merit even more. Oh, that was pretty bad. That's why you're the host. <laughs> Well, I think, again, people, when you hear merit, did you hear what St. John of the Cross just did? He talked about prayer as meritorious. We tend to think of good works, and so works as doing stuff. And the idea that prayer itself is a holy work that somehow is connected to, well, we are going to enlarge enlarge, uh, or or deepen uh, or intensify our union with the Lord. And therefore, that union of wills that Father Nagel, you talked about, is going to lead to the Lord delighting to bless those who delight in him. And so we become more pure and enlarged conduits for the Lord's blessings that he longs to bring to this earth. And unfortunately, we won't get that until we go deeper and deeper into the heart of the Lord and realize that, wow, this is just not about me. This has to be about the Lord. And he can then use my life, if I'm disposed and, and docile to him, to pour forth those graces. So, Father Nagel, how do we overcome that? How do we, like, how do we battle against 
prophetically battle against the contemporary emphasis on doing stuff as a way of mastering outcomes that we want to achieve? I think that's a million dollar question, right? Yeah, and I don't have a million dollar answer, but I, <laughs> I don't claim to. But I, I do think well, one of the things that we, we think that it's meritorious or it's good works, even if we're going to do something without thinking about God in the process. So I do think, and that can be prayers, vocal prayers, mental prayers, it can be uh, physical works of mercy, it can be all sort of these, these sort of things. But if we're doing it in a sort of mechanical or, or if, if, if it's not prayer, by that I mean it's simply lifting our heart and mind to God uh, in the midst of it and, f and as cause of it. And, and you know, again, we can't do that for every per particular second. But I think it comes down to sometimes, again, religious practices without prayer and thinking that those themselves are going to be you know, fruitful as opposed to, so the idea of, yeah, the meritorious action, you know, it's not just actions, but it's also not just words. It's, it's, that, it's, a, it's a matter of the heart still and, and lifting it to the Lord. I, I'm not sure I answered, I've kind of forgotten part of that question you asked me, but I do want to come back to that first, the, the thing you said right before it, which is, again, our, our world is, it's, we're a materialistic, we have a tendency towards materialism, which means outside action, physical actions, and we think that that is going, we can, we can accomplish things ourselves by the, our own manipulation of this world and these worldly things and get what we want, as opposed to thinking, well, this is all God anyway, and if I, I just have to live this up to God. Now, I, still have to act, I still have to do actions, but they have to be literally godly actions in the sense that I'm doing this with and for God. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, it, and actually I will honestly go back to Father Lewis, we'll end with your insight about the more that you um, like focus on the idea that your prayer is meritorious, potentially, the more that you need humility. Right. Otherwise, it's going to be the Pharisee in the front uh, mm -hmm. of the temple, right? Hands up, raised, praying, going through the stuff, but realizing somehow it's about him. Mm -hmm. He's the donkey who's getting all the praise. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Tying it back to humility, if we're, sp I could spend all this time, energy, as Saint John of the Cross said, hammering away and all this, but I may accomplish little. I may actually be doing harm. But it's it's lack of humility to think that well, God won't take care of it, or I I can and I will and it, and, and I will do it. And in prayer, just the action of prayer, instead of that, you know, giving more time to prayer is, is itself a, hu a humble gesture, a gesture of humility that I can't do it, but if I pray and ask God, then, then it, can, it, it can happen. But that takes great humility on my part that I can't do it, uh, but you can. You know, there's a great uh, like six-word prayer that um, Father John Ricardo shared one, on one of his podcasts on his Acts 29 ministry. He says, I can't. You can, please do. <laughs> and I'm praying this to God about I can't do fill in the blank, but you can, Jesus. So please do. And that's 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 uh, humiliating. That's humbling. It's an act of humility. And um, anyway, just just uh, surrendering to that. And then Saint Faustina, you know, said in her diary, she recognized that if I just do all that's in my business, the rest, you know, all that I can do, the rest is not my business. She just has to surrender it to God and trust that God will take it from there. And that's a gigantic act of humility. Well, and there are just a hundred examples we could pull from our own lives of you put God first, you rely on the Lord, you look to the Lord, rather than your strategic efforts to somehow make stuff happen. And then the Lord says, watch what I can do. Yeah. Give me some space, watch what I can do. Cute story, I could give a hundred, but one cute story 
this goes way back when I was a director of evangelization at a parish. We were meeting on a Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock in my office at the church with a team of people preparing a conference. And we were talking about, hey, how are we going to promote this conference to get folks to come? And um, someone said, hey, there is a newspaper uh, columnist for the main newspaper in the city who goes to our parish. And I'd never met him, never had any connection with him or anything. And I said, hey, maybe we could ask him to promote the conference in his column. And we're like, oh, that's kind of a crazy idea. The phone rang, three in the afternoon on a Sunday in my office. I go into the phone. Who is it? It's the columnist. <laughs> and, and he said, I'm calling you because I saw there's a conference coming up. Oh, I, I actually write an article for the, I have a column in the newspaper. How can I help you promote it? <laughs> now, how cool is that, right? Yeah. And that's just one of a hundred stories of that reality, that watch what the Lord can do. You don't have to try so hard. Like, make space and let the Lord come in and say, ta-da, ta-da. I'll go way beyond what you could have done on your own efforts. Right. So, all right, what begins to break? When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, an extremist act, even a militaristic act, praying the rosary. Back in a minute with Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carnum with Father Kurt Nagel, Father Jeff Lewis. Good fathers, do you know why, just before the break ended, I said that we're going to talk now on this feast of the coronation of the queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We're going to talk about an extremist act, even a militaristic act, praying the rosary. Why did I say that? Fathers, do you know why? Well, there was that news that broke, uh, that columnist in the Atlantic, I think, that said that the rosary is now a, a dog whistle for right-wing wacko extremists everywhere. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, I am. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and so the... The interesting thing is that he's saying that people are making rosaries with bullets for beads, and so there's a like a militaristic component to it, and that you, these are often found among those bigoted, you know, hateful kind of extremists that are out there. Uh, did any of you, father? Did either of you, fathers, get any like emails or conversations coming to you about this or texts? I got a bunch. I didn't actually. I got a whole bunch. Of, and it's I, so funny. Go ahead, Father Nagel. <laughs> well, I, I was a little reverent, but I, I just thought that I need to keep closer eyes on my rosary makers downstairs. Uh, obviously, <laughs> these, these six little women are obviously, I, I, I just better check them out because I didn't realize what they were doing. Um, <laughs> but I have gotten, a f I've gotten one or two um, comments or nothing, you know, nobody's faith is shaken. And it, it seems pretty absurd to anybody who's a, actual Catholic that this is happening, you know, is there one or two not someplace in America doing this? I guess probably, but, but, you know, just the absurdity of it all. Well, and, um, what I think, like what I've heard from it, which was so cool was like, oh yeah, baby, you're right. Like <laughs> this is a, this is a battle and, and you tell me that this is not a battle. Let's bring it on. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. I, here's one I got. Um, let's see, where is it? Oh, darn it. Okay, I don't see it. But um, the, the, uh, this person had sent it to me and saying, come on, Blessed Mother, finally someone's figured it out, <laughs> right? That the, the rosary is a spiritual weapon. 
And it is a way of engaging in spiritual battle. And you know what? It is going to overcome demonic darkness. And Satan hates the church and hates the rosary and is going to do everything he can to try to get people to stop praying the rosary or to get the rosary highlighted as an extremist act. And like, bring it on. Let's go. I just love that. Yeah. Ask any uh, religious sisters, you know, here in Spokane, you know, they would agree with you. Our sisters, Mary Mother Church, carry their rosary on their belt as part of their habit on their left hip. Why is that? Because it's the sword of the Lord. They reach across with the right hand to draw their sword. And, um, you know, the missionaries of charity kind of, I think that's bundled up in their left shoulder, like um, like a quick uh, stiletto blade or something, you know. So, um, yeah, they would agree. It's like, yeah, it's finally, you're finally catching on that this is a spiritual weapon and we're in a spiritual warfare. And I agree that the, the language of, that language, that this, this is a weapon, this is warfare, that we're going to fight this battle with the rosary. Um, you're right, that, it, that is used, and it's, and it's true. And so it's used in a way different than what the article, I, I have to admit, I've seen articles about the article, I've not actually read the article uh, in the Atlantic, um, but that idea that somehow this can be, um, that we're going to put a stamp of this on the rosary that's going to be, you know, you can't do this because it's extremist. I, I think that's going to backfire quite badly. Yeah. Well, and my hope is that it will um, awaken Catholics to the idea that says if you've missed out on praying a rosary uh, as a family or even as an individual, that you do that, that you take that on. And I know that it's um, not always easy to um, be committed to the rosary. Um, sometimes the prayer itself can be challenging, uh, like it's just a repetitive prayer and my mind is wandering the whole time and I'm struggling to, to focus on the mysteries and what are the mysteries anyways. And um, how many Hail Marys are there? If I don't have my rosary, am I losing track? Um, so uh, any suggestions, fathers, in terms of your own either experience of praying the rosary or of um, things that you've, uh, people have said to you that you found helpful in terms of helping them take up the rosary, make it a daily habit, or helping them overcome some of the typical obstacles in praying the rosary? So in my own experience with the rosary, a couple of things that I do that, that help me not just to stay focused, but to look forward to the rosary is uh, two things. One, um, if, I'm, if I'm not like quiet in a, in a church where I can really meditate on the mysteries, you know, I'm, it's, it's, I like to pray the rosary while I'm, while I'm driving or, or taking my walks or on my hikes. And I feel like doing that rather than just letting my mind wander uh, helps me to to sanctify the moment, to be mindful of the presence of the saints always in my life, Mother Mary especially, and and uh, in the activity and the grace of God wherever I am. So out in the out in the world, and then I can truly like experience God in nature. So so I pray while I'm walking or hiking or driving, and then but I can't meditate on the mysteries because I'm I'm out moving around. I might trip over a tree branch or fall off a cliff. So so what I do to help me stay engaged in you know instead of meditating on the mysteries that deeply is each decade I attach an intention. And then it's surprising and alarming, but not really so much anymore, but it's a, it's a providential how frequently that mystery somehow speaks to the intention that I've attached to it. And then, then I marvel at the power of prayer in a whole new way. And when I've suggested these things to parishioners, they're, they're, I can see their eyes kind of opening wire like, there's a new way I can pray the rosary. And, and, and it kind of speaks to them that way. Uh, last week I was at our youth apologetics camp and every morning at 6 a.m. We, we took a, a, a rosary hike and I invited them before we began to think of 
intentions to attach to each of the five mysteries, and then away we went. And, um, and I hope the youth were awake enough to hear that suggestion and actually do it. But um, then, we're, then we're asking for Mother Mary's intercession for all kinds of these intentions that are needful in our lives. You know, yeah. I... Father Nagel. I think Father Lewis actually said a number of things that I was thinking of as well. Um, one of them is the rosary is a great... Yeah, I think there's different ways. In some ways, whether you want it to be a meditative, contemplative prayer or whether you want it to be a more petitionary prayer... So again, I think there's lots of flexibility um, in terms of the devotion, but it is a great way to pray as you move. Uh, again, whether that means walking, whether that means driving. I also, you know, on walks or, or driving, that's the time that I would pray the rosary as well. And again, it's something that you can sanctify the time. It's, it, it, that, at that level, it's not necessarily, as you say, individual prayers, petitions, but, but it, is, it can, can be a meditative, contemplative prayer. Uh, way to, to bring about that. Usually, you know, it's, you're going to be quiet in the car. You're going to be quiet in, on the walk, unless you're with a group and doing a rosary walk, etc. So I, I do think that's something I, I, I find valuable. You, it, rather than just, uh, other than your show, Tom, uh, when you're in a car, you know, you can be having the radio on, um, but it could just be on stupid music or something like that, or there could be a prayer time. I also think nice. that I, I, I think you can turn it into petitions. I, you can even also go to individual beads in terms of petitions. Uh, it can be your petition list with asking Mary to intercede with you um, for your, the list of prayer lists that you have. Um, I can see that happening too. That happens where um, this first rosary of the day, we get, I, have the, my, I know who I'm going to pray for. Uh, for decades and for individual, it's just a huge petitionary prayer is a way in which we can... Um, do it together or that I can remember. And it's and that way when there's individual petitions for each bead, I can pray the, the rosary uh, without a rosary as I want because I know each bead has an intention to it. And so I just go from bead to bead, intention to intention, and I don't need the physical rosary at that point. So anyway, I, I do think it's something that you have to grow into and, and adapt to yourself and to your own life. Um, but, it's, but again, the, the point I would make, it's very adaptable and and very, you know, again, it's, it's open to all sorts of different ways of praying. Yes. Uh, we're up against a break, Father, so when we come back, I'm going to pick up where um, you all just left off and have you react to a couple of things that we've done in our family and see um, what your thoughts are about those and things that I've also heard about. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carnum with Father Kurt Nagel and Father Jeff Lewis. And we've been following a rigorous outline for this <laughs> entire program. And uh, that's a joke, folks. <laughs> I, and we've been doing this more conversational approach to uh, our programs. And so I actually like it. I like it because it, there's a freshness to it, fathers. Like, folks, to realize that these two good fathers are responding on the spot, in the moment, to the questions and the in interactions that we're having, bringing um, real insight and application to life. I, th I think that it, I really enjoy that. Uh, fathers, do you enjoy that or do you feel a little on the spot? It keeps me on my toes, that's for sure. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I like it. And I don't have that, that sense of complete failure every week when we don't do the outline. Um, <laughs> 
It's uplifting. That's therefore. the German sense of you, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, yeah. you know. I'm the Italian. Hey, come on. It's spontaneous. It's a suggestion, you know. Those, that, the yeah. outline is a suggestion. Exactly. Come on. Don't, don't be bound up. Be set free. You know, it's like jurisprudence, right? Let's apply it. Like, what's the spirit say here? Um, so, talking about the spirit and the Feast of the Coronation, it's actually the end of an octave. At the end of eight days, that you go back, you go back uh, a full week, and what do you get? You get the Assumption. So you go from the Assumption to the coronation or the queenship of the Blessed Mother. And um, I mentioned that a couple of just two quick things. The first is, fathers, you both mentioned you can pray the Rosary at any time, folks. I encourage you, especially if you're trying to get your family to pray a Rosary, figure out the 15-minute mark when you're getting close to home and pray a Rosary on the way home. Or use the first 15 minutes of your car ride to pray a rosary. And it will become a habit. I know that it, they might think this is awkward and weird and foreign. And who is this that has now come into our car? Start it. Do it. And maybe one of the ways to, to do that is to like watch a talk. Watch like a YouTube video that is really interesting or engaging around the power of the rosary around saints in the rosary, around apparitions in the rosary. And if you get that, then um, in it, you'll hear recommendations, pray a family rosary every day. And then you can say to the kids, we're going to try this. We're going to do this. So just, guys, buckle up. When you buckle up, we're going to pray a rosary. We're going to make this a habit. And so you can lean on the authority of someone who speaks into your life about the power of the blessing of praying a family rosary and then do it you just gotta do it you gotta make that effort the second thing is um i've heard it said and this is um uh one of my kids was taught uh when he prays the rosary now he prays it in a way that i didn't teach him this um it was um the first hail mary or two or three is meditate on the mystery the next three Hail Marys meditate on the virtue that is connected with that mystery and pray for that virtue. And then the last two to four Hail Marys, you're praying for either someone's intention that you're, you're remembering to pray for them, or you're praying against the sin, the vice that is the opposite of that virtue, that the Lord would uproot that in your life and, and to ask for the grace to battle against that sin. And so it becomes a more programmatic way of using the rosary. I, I, don't, do, I don't pray the rosary that way. Um, so I, I thought that was probably, it's, it's helpful for folks who are looking for, let's call it a productive use of the 10 Hail Marys. I don't, I don't know, that's my thought. What are your thoughts on that, fathers? I think that's a, a, good, a good way to approach it. You know, it's, it's, it makes the rosary in, in, engagement just... I can think how it would make it whole, a whole lot richer. Uh, you're praying for those intentions. Like I mentioned earlier that I, I pray an intention for each decade, and so I'm still doing that, but I'm attaching to that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I am getting a chance to meditate on the mystery and the virtues. I, it just makes it richer. I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'll try that myself and, and see how that might enrich in my engagement with the rosary. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's just another example of how adaptable the rosary is. Your child, your son or daughter, uh, he's figured out or taught, with, but but is using and, and it works for him. I think it's your son. Um, that this this is his way. I would just say, hey, that's another option. Try it out. But 
this is infinitely almost adaptable to your own needs and your own desires. Um, the Blessed Virgin is wanting to pray with you and for you, and there's this uh, deep devotion that the Church has developed over centuries, and it's, it's made for you, and experiment. I would say just experiment with the rosary. You know, you'd say just keep doing it. Perseverance comes in again. Um, but we'll do it until you find the, the one that clicks for you. Yeah, I like that. Because I have too many kids who um, they, they gradually slump over during <laughs> the family rosary as if somehow um, ether has entered the room. <laughs> and um, now they have t- tremendous energy minutes before the rosary starts. But as they sit to pray the rosary, all of a sudden they're dying. I mean, they're just like dying and they're falling asleep. And yeah. I shake them awake. And I'm like, you know what? No, it takes a determined effort to pray. And I, what I like about it is John Mark. John Mark's uh, approach that he's taken for praying the rosary, it's practical. Yeah. Okay, first two do this. Next three do this. Next three do this. The last two do this. And so you can kind of track progress instead of just sort of floating through, and then the mind wanders, and then it's like, okay, wait a minute, where are we again? And what's this mercy even all about? And I don't get anything out of this. Well, if you made an effort and said, just two Hail Marys, let me think about the mystery. Three Hail Marys, let me think about that virtue associated with it, and let me pray for that. The next three Hail Marys, let me think about the sin that I want to battle that is contrary to that virtue. And then the last two Hail Marys, who's on my heart to pray for, maybe especially in relationship to this mystery? I like that. Yeah. It chunks it down. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good fathers, we have a minute and a half left. You have 45 seconds to give your final thoughts about today's program. I might put a shout out to uh, a great celebration, however we can, of the Queenship of Mary. And like you pointed out, it is the octave day of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and Mary is our Queen Mother. The great richness of theology about the Queen Mother in the Old Testament that carries over to the Blessed Virgin, who's the fulfillment of that in the New. And it's, it's just another one of, one of many great Marian feast days that we have in the Church. I was going to say something similar in the sense that, as, as Tom knows, one of my favorite feast days is Christ the King. And I see this as an accompaniment just, before, just because of what Father Lewis said, um, the idea of the, the Queen Mother being in, in, in the ancient uh, kingdom of, of Judah, again, though the Queen Mother was the, the female presence. In, it, the king might have many wives, but he only had one mother. And so he, that, she would have a throne beside him. Uh, and so there's this huge, powerful figure there. And I do think there's something, even in our democratic age, this idea of uh, this, this majestic figure of Christ our King. But then this, this mother, this, this queen as well, on, to a side, I, I find that for me personally uh, something that I can relate to just in a, in a personal relationship um, with uh, these two crowned figures in the, in the heavens. So for me, this is an important feast day just in terms of uh, the kingship and queenship of Mary Jesus and Mary. I like that. Thank you, Fathers. That's really good. All right. Well, folks, we are up against the end of our program. I thank you so much for listening. Pray God's blessings on your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sun Insight.